Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I want to kick off this January with this series that we're in called um, Don't Waste Your Past. And I, I, I'm, I'm a type of person who doesn't like to look back too often and doesn't like to dwell in the past. So I like to turn my pages quickly. Um, I like to move forward as quickly as I can. And I want to do that intentionally. I want to move past the emotions that can sometimes hold me back or the patterns of the past that have somehow repeated themselves often enough to make me feel like I am stuck, like I'm trapped. I don't know about you, but I know that as we start off this year, many of us are thinking about what this year is going to hold. And I believe that at some point we can sometimes get even a little jaded and we can get just a little bit discouraged about what the future can look like because we stop believing that things can be different. And I want you to be encouraged today that in spite of how we may be feeling coming out of this holiday season and no matter how our experience has been in the past, um, I'm, I'm, I'm joining you in this challenge to make sure that this year is different, that these moments are not the same as they have been in the past. And, and the way that we can do that is by being different. All of us here in this place can think about what it means to be in a relationship with God differently. Don't give up, don't, don't just resign yourself to the way things are, to the way things have been, but when we talk about setting goals, or when we have dreams and aspirations, some of us are all about that. And we, 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 we write those things out, we look at them often, we adjust, we even break them down into smaller steps to, to even make them more achievable. And then there's the, the, the rest of us who sometimes just kind of like lean more on, on fate and maybe faith, hoping things will just happen and, and, and then praying that, that God will somehow just intervene in our lives and, and not realize that there is this collaboration that needs to exist. That, that we have to work with God to see things change and, and be different in our lives. And today I want to speak to you about how we can break patterns. And in the passage that I want to uh, used for that. It may, may not make sense as we read it, but there'll be a point in which you'll see that it, that it does. And then in Luke chapter 22, we'll start there at verse 56. It, it talks about a servant girl who noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. 
And then finally she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. And what's happening in this moment is that people who were for Jesus are now against him, and anybody who was for him is now being picked out in the crowd so that they too would face a similar judgment. And, and so there's this sense now that Peter is in danger, and Peter recognizes this immediately, and this triggers in him a response. The fact that he's in danger triggers a response where he makes the decision to lie. And so Peter denies it. And he says, woman, he said, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. And then he says, no, man, I'm not. And then an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And then immediately while he was still speaking, he hears the rooster. And at the moment that he hears the rooster, as Jesus had been arrested, Jesus is being brought through this courtyard. And as he's being brought through this courtyard, Jesus in that moment connects with Peter and looks into his eyes. And the Bible says that as suddenly... In that moment, Jesus looks at Peter. And it is in that moment that the Lord's words then flashed through Peter's mind. And so there's this moment of, of awareness that occurs, but it happens only when Jesus gazes upon the eyes of Peter and connects with him. And then before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, he's recalling this, you're going to deny me three times that you even knew me. And then Peter left the courtyard, and it says that he wept bitterly. I don't know about you, but there are some things from the past that just continually haunt us. I don't know about you, I, it happens to me, there are things in my childhood, and I remember one time I, I, I just felt like I needed to sort out a bunch of things in my life, and, and it, was, it was like, there were things that kept happening, they were so triggering, uh, my responses, my behavior was always in response to that trauma that I had experienced, things that had happened in my childhood, things that... I recalled, and I looked at those memories, and I didn't see the connection at first, but I began to notice that the things that I remembered the most would trigger the pattern and the cycle that I was in. There was a response that was going with each one of those, and I needed to understand how I was going to break that pattern in my life. Now, there's something about our memories that are there, that we can learn from, but they're also the very things that are putting us in a cycle and a pattern that we find ourselves 
just unable to break free from and live life the way that God intended. And until we understand this, and until we see what's happening even in Peter's life, we're not going to understand how to undo it in our own. In the moment that his eyes connected with Jesus, his first reaction isn't one of, oh, yay, Jesus looked at me. In that moment, we see that Peter is now traumatized even further from what has just happened. And now he sees his place and his role in that like never before. And the only thing that he can do is escape the moment by leaving Jesus altogether and making sure he's nowhere to be found from that day onward. He decides to go back to his old life because he believes that that is the day that he didn't just deny Jesus. It was the day that God surely had left him. And there's something about us believing lies about what happens in our past that has an impact on our present that prevents us from living the future that God intended. And in the story in which we're in, we can see that the past is something that continues to haunt us. We have to ask ourselves, why? Why does this keep coming up? Why is this happening over and over again? Why is this continuously chasing me down in areas of my life that I really don't want anything to do with anymore? And yet there it is. And in a time in which we see something repeatedly coming back to us, I want you to ask the question, why? And then understand that the past is also about teaching us to look at repeated patterns. And God allows this so that we can see something that is reoccurring in our lives. Pay attention to this. It keeps coming up and it's for a reason. I want you to know what that reason is. And the reason God wants to reveal it to us is so that it stops haunting us. It stops coming up. It stops attacking us in moments in which we are triggered and in moments in which we are reminded through events that are not even remotely connected, but there it is. And in those moments, it prevents us from living life the way that God intended. And so what God is saying when things repeat is that there is an unresolved issue here. There is a lesson that I'm insisting that you learn from. And I want you to be free from this. Now, interestingly enough, I often thought that the past is just, it's always the devil. Just always, it's always Satan. But in the story, in the story, it isn't Satan, is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who's bringing up the memory to Peter. It's not Satan, it's Jesus. There's a conversation that they had about who was going to be the greatest. 
And, and, and Peter made his case and probably won the argument about how he was going to be the greatest of all the disciples and how he would never deny Jesus and how he would defend him to the very end. And now, even though he had shown an action of proving that in the Garden of Gethsemane, now we see that he's ready to deny him. And the recall that happens is when the eyes of Jesus and Peter meet. And so what brings the conversation back to Peter isn't Satan, it's Jesus. It's Jesus telling Peter, remember that time. And this is what you said. And this is also what I said. And Jesus knows his future. And in the present, he reminds him of how he knew it by revealing his past. And so whenever we're living this life as followers of Jesus, it can get confusing. There are times when we are like resisting the past and we're rebuking it, we're running from it, we're resisting it. We're doing everything that we can to avoid it. And we believe that we have to do that because, well, God is all about the present and he's all about the future. But what God is also telling us is that I don't want you to waste your past. And that there are things in your past that are going to be essential for your future. And, and the things that you keep running from are the things that I actually want you to learn from. And I want you to use those very things to bring about the healing in your life like never before. And so what he reminds us is that the past trauma in our lives is often the originator of the present addiction or habit that we're in. But one of the things that I learned from my own childhood is that I saw a father who loved me but didn't know how to love my mother the way that I needed him to. And, and the trauma of, of being in a home where I had a father who violated my heart by violating my mother's heart revealed to me that there would be patterns that would then repeat in my own life from the trauma that I had experienced because of that. And we may find ourselves in a relationship today and find ourselves reacting and responding in a way that is indicative of the trauma that we experienced when we were growing up. In fact, maybe the way that we lie and the reasons we lie, the reasons why we won't accept blame or the reasons why we overeat or the reasons why we drink or the reasons why we take drugs or the reasons why we always respond in a similar pattern after a difficult event in our lives, all of these things are there to show us where these are repeating, why they keep reoccurring, why we keep reoffending, 
and why it is that we are not experiencing life the way that God intended for us. I look at the coping methods that I have used in my own life, and I have realized that I have kept the coping method even after the trauma was gone. Now, I initially thought that my coping method went along with my trauma, but then I realized that as I got older and that as I became more committed and faithful to, to God, that a lot of the things that had occurred in my childhood and in my adolescence and things that I had learned as a young adult, that all those things were still with me. And I thought to myself, but wait a second, God, you have healed me from the trauma, why hasn't the habit gone with it? And I realized that they were two separate things. And you see, we often imagine that when the trauma is dealt with and, and fully healed, that the behavior that is negative will also go with it. But the behavior can, can remain, it can persist. And that even though we have properly dealt with the drama and the trauma that we've, we've gone through, well, the habit, and the coping mechanism that we used to deal with it, well, that's still there. And we need help in breaking free of that. And so what happens is that in this story, Peter doesn't just lie once. You'll see that he lies twice and that he lies three times. So his denials happen once through one person, and then it happens again through another person, and then three, it happens through a third person. It, would, it wouldn't have been as powerful, still indicative, but not as powerful if it had been the same person. And so the fact that it's a different person reveals a pattern in Peter's life. And it is something that I think was, was there beforehand. And we know that it was there beforehand because before it even happens, before he gets even called out by Jesus, Jesus warns him of this and he says, Peter, Satan came to me and he pointed out your very weakness and he asked that you would be sifted, that you would be torn down because of this weakness. And then Jesus says, but you know, I've prayed for you that this wouldn't happen. And then Peter says, don't worry about me, Jesus, I'm good. I used to be this dude, but that's not me anymore. The new me, the new Peter, the one that you saved, the one that you changed, the one that you brought transformation in, that Peter, that Peter isn't that old Peter. It's, it's this new Peter now, and I'll do whatever it takes. I'll be with you to the very end. And then Jesus has to tell him the truth. That even before the crow, the rooster would crow three, he would deny him three times. I think about how the frequency speaks to where we are most weak. 
And, and I want you to, to ask yourself, where is it that I am frequently failing, falling, faltering? Where is it that Satan seems to have a hold on me? And I want you to know that, that God is pointing this out through the very frequency of it. The fact that it happens three times to Peter is, is God getting his attention and saying, Peter, you didn't just deny me once with the girl. That could happen. You know, it, it's a one-off. But then you were good. You bounced back and then you were faithful. No, Peter, you denied me a second time. It was a different person. And then a third time, it was a different person. It happened three times, Peter, and it happened three times to show that there is a pattern here. And I want you to think of what is the recurring pattern in your life, and then what is the mechanism that you use to cope? What are you doing to then respond to that? And you have the two things that God has been trying to get your attention about for the longest time. He's saying, here is the sin, here is the problem in your life, here is where you've been missing the mark, and this is how you've been covering it up. This is where you've been in denial, not once, not twice, but three times. And then this is how you deal with it again. It comes up, and this is how you deal with it in that situation, and in that situation, over and over and over again. This is what keeps happening to you. And so when we see this, we can sometimes say, well, this is circumstantial. I mean, Peter was in the most stressful moment of his life. Maybe if we were in the exact same position as Peter, we would have done the same thing. If we thought our life was in danger and we had a fight or flight response in that moment, we would maybe make the decision that we were going to fly away. We were going to do exactly what he did. We were going to deny. Jesus, who's that? If he's going down, I'm not going to go down with him. If he's going to get crucified, I don't want to be up on the cross next to him. If he's going to be killed for this, I don't want to be the next one. And so we can look at that and we can say, hey, every choice that we make, we are showing what we are choosing and what we are denying. And so what are you choosing and what are you denying? I know that in my own life, when I think about what I'm choosing, I'm trying to make the choice for God and for Jesus. But I also see that what I'm denying is often just my choice. It's not what I'm choosing, but it's what I'm denying. And what I'm denying is what I unfortunately am saying to those around me, this is my choice. And more importantly, I'm saying that to the Lord. Um, you guys familiar with Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs is the founder of Apple, and he's a guy who, who died and passed away in 2011. And there was something that stood out about seeing an interview with him um, when they were doing this highlight of his life, and they often do this. It, talk of him and as uh, one of our, I guess, great geniuses of our time in the tech industry. And he said this, that for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and I've asked myself, 
If today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no, for too many days in a row, I know that I need to change something. The thing about what Steve Jobs is saying is that any change can change your direction. Any change that you make can change the direction of your life. And he noticed that there was a pattern in, 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 in seeing how he lived his life, but also how it made him feel. And I think that many of us have just gotten accustomed to feeling this way or just accepted that this is the way that it is. Uh, we don't need to be reminded today that as we enter into a new year that, that time is not infinite on this earth. It is infinite with God, but not for us in our physical corporal form. And we know that we have a time here that we need to make the most of this life. And God wants us to live that life to the fullest. That's one of his promises in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come so that you would live life and live it to the fullest. It's a great promise that Jesus has made. But here's the problem, that if we don't see where we are stuck and repeating the same patterns, then we are not going to experience that fullness of life. And so if God was going to help us today, he would say, I want you to begin to make a change, a change in your direction. I want you to change just one thing. In the story in which we're in, Peter doesn't get a chance to change anything. He just walks away and he's bitterly crying. But what's beautiful about this is that, is that this moment happens, Peter crying happens because his eyes lock with the eyes of Jesus. And in Jesus's wordless gaze of mercy and grace, the cycle of sin is actually broken. Because when Peter leaves the presence of Jesus, that is the change that begins to take place in Peter's life. It is then that he is reminded of the words of Jesus. It is then that the word of God speaks to him. It is then that the word of God breaks him because it reminds him of the conversation that he had with Jesus, the interaction and the promises that were made and, and how they had been broken. He looked at that moment and, and it just broke him, but it did more than just break him. The gaze of Jesus didn't just break Peter. He didn't see it yet. He hadn't experienced it yet, but it broke the cycle and the pattern of sin in his life. Because after he had denied Jesus three times, the person that Peter thought he would continue to be is exactly the reason why Jesus went to find him, to show him that he was no longer that person that that cycle had been broken. But for each pattern that had been repeated, Jesus had to ask Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter had to say, yes, you know that I do. And then each time he had to remind him of his purpose. Then he'd say, then go and pastor my sheep. 
And so he's told that he's loved, and then he's pointed towards his purpose. And right now, many of us are stuck where we are because we don't feel loved. We don't feel that God has loved us. We don't feel that Jesus is loving us. We don't feel like his love is in us, it is for us. We just feel like Peter felt in the courtyard. He just felt guilty. He felt ashamed. He felt like, I'm the worst person alive. How can I follow Jesus when I'm this type of person? And so what happens in those moments is that we keep repeating the behavior and the cycle that keeps us in this pattern of brokenness instead of experiencing the freedom that comes from understanding that the reason why Jesus locks eyes with Jesus, that with Peter is so that he can be free from the cycle. Jesus wants to lock eyes with you so that you can have the cycle broken in your own life. He wants to tell you what the recurring pattern is not to make you feel guilty, not to make you run from him, but so that you can be prepared for how he tells you that he loves you and he still has a great purpose for your life and that he has greater things in store for you. The moment that we understand this, then we're going to understand that every challenging moment that we face is going to reveal what's hidden. And so God is saying, I want to show you, Peter, what's hidden in your life. You didn't see this when we first had the conversation, but now you're going to see it. This is what was hidden. That when things became hard, when things would become challenging, when it would come down to you giving up your life or trying to save it, you would do whatever it would take to preserve it. And instead of choosing me, you would choose yourself. Instead of saying that you were my disciple and admitting that publicly, you would deny it. And you think that you're so strong, but what I'm revealing to you is exactly where you are weak so that this weakness can be taken away from you and you would never have to deal with it again. God is saying, I want to take away that weakness. I want to take away that brokenness. I want to take away that pattern. And I want to take that away from you. I want to deliver you from it. And so what Jesus does to Peter is what he's saying to each of us. I'm not going to allow failure to speak the last word in your life. That's why he goes after him. That's why he goes to him. He's saying, I don't want the failure of the courtyard to be how you live your life. And so when I think of my past, have you had failures in your past? Have you had moments like Peter's moment in the courtyard? If you had moments where you have denied God and you've chosen to live far from him instead, if you've chosen to live and to stand for yourself or you've chosen to live and stand for Jesus, there have been moments in your life where it was just easier to do what the crowd was doing instead of standing apart from it. 
Well, then you understand what happens to Peter and how important it is that Jesus goes after him. And he goes to him because he doesn't want that failure in the courtyard to be the only thing that he ever lives with and, and remembers and keeps haunting him from his past, saying, I've got something better for you, and I'm going to show you what that is. And here it is. I want you to know that I love you. For every time you denied me, I still love you. And for every time you denied me, I still have a purpose for you. And I'm going to remind you of what that is. And I think of my life and I think of yours and I think, God, what is it that you want to see me do in this year? Well, what are the patterns that need to be broken for me to do them? How is this year going to be different from every other year? Just so that this year can be a pivotal one. It can make all the difference in my life and the lives of others. And Jesus said these words to Peter, and I think they're important for us even today. He told Peter, Peter, follow me. I want you to follow me. Peter had gone back to his old life. He had gone back to the, sh the fishing, to the ships. That's where Jesus had to go and find him. And then the last words that he says to Peter are, follow me. And I think of how I am going to see the gaze of Jesus is by following him. Even in my brokenness and in my patterns that are repeating, even being haunted from my trauma and, and my past and, and, and seeing how I try to cope with that by doing things that are destructive, things that, that keep me in bondage, that keep me from living a life that is free. I, I will lock eyes with Jesus. I will follow him so that he can speak into my life, so that he can shine his light, so that he can show me what it is that I'm doing and how I can break that pattern. And, and we're going to need help with that. Being in community helps us with that. Understanding what God's word can do can help us with that. Taking moments where we are fasting and praying together can help us to see things and understand things through the gaze of Jesus that locks with our own eyes and opens up the window of our soul and reveals what is hidden. Just like Jesus had to show Peter what was hidden, I need you to understand that Jesus wants to show you what's hidden in your own life, not to destroy you, but to give you the victory instead. To love you to a place of health. To love you to a place of purpose. To love you to a place of victory. To love you so that 2023 will be unlike any other year in your life. Because you have allowed Jesus to break the pattern that has held you back until Today, Jesus is ready to introduce to you right now what he needs to do so that that pattern can be broken once and for all. Would you stand with me as we close in a word of prayer? I want to thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you give us to
to come before you and, and to examine the story of Peter and to make connections and correlations with our own life. And, and you know what we've been through. You know the patterns that we are in, the areas where we keep failing and faltering and making the same mistakes over and over again. And you showed us that when we lock eyes with you, when we're in a relationship with you, while well, you can open up our heart and, and reveal what is hidden, you can reveal that which is weak so that you can become our strength. I pray that today, Lord, that you would not only reveal, but that you would also restore. And what you did in Peter's life is you did both those things. You revealed and you restored him. I pray that we would be restored today as well. I pray, God, that you would show us how much you love us and, and what a great purpose that you have in store for us, that how you want our life to be different than the patterns that we have repeated over and over again. Today you are calling on us to follow you again, not to deny that we are followers of you, but to follow you and to follow you in the way that you have taught us in your word. I pray, God, that you would be the living word in each of us and that you would give us the victory that we need in the area where we need it the most. And Lord, I pray for every person here today. I pray for their dreams, their goals, their aspirations. I pray, oh God, for their heart to reveal that which is good and acceptable and perfect according to your will. I pray, Father, that you would guide them on this path in this life and that you would bless that path and that you would give them what they would need most to honor themselves, those around them, and above all, you. That they would not only live this life to serve themselves, but to serve others and in so doing, serving you all along. I pray, Father, that you would help us to reprioritize and to reorganize and to experience once again what it means for each of us to live a life that is fully alive. Lord, you are here to give us an abundant life. And I pray that we would experience that as we see you give us the victory in breaking the patterns of the past. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.